Linda. Woo! Well, good, happy new year. Now, I know I look a little strange up here because I don't have a Hawaiian shirt on, right? I have two long sleeve shirts that are suitable for Sunday mornings, okay? And this happens to be one of them, okay? So I do like them loud and proud. That's to keep you up during my messages, okay? But let's, let's give Frisco a big round, our satellite there, okay? Letting them know that we love them and care for them. As Belinda said, we're starting a new series today. And we've entitled it God Strong because guess what? I want you to grow strong in 2016. I want you to grow strong spiritually, physically, financially, relationally, vocationally, mentally, emotionally, across the board. As we start this series, I want you to know this is my prayer. It's Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 16 that says this, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, God will give you mighty inner strength through his Holy Spirit. Now here's the question I wanna to pose to you as we start 2016. Do you really wanna grow? Do you really wanna be stronger physically, spiritually, mentally, relationally? Do you really wanna be stronger? Because guess what? It doesn't happen by accident. If you want, you can continue in 2016 and be weak if you want or be average if you want, or you can get stronger. And if you're gonna get stronger, that's gonna happen through intention. Today, I want us to take a look at Samson, who is known as the strongest man in the Bible. Now, obviously, if you've read the Bible, you understand that he also had some glaring weaknesses. As you and I read the story of Samson, you see the source of his strengths and you will see the source of his weaknesses. If you have a Bible, go ahead and turn to Judges chapter 13, 14, 15, and 16. There are four chapters about this guy. And what you will see in these four chapters are three attitudes that weaken your spirit and three habits that will strengthen your spirit that will make you stronger. And I want you to be stronger. So we're gonna take a look at Samson's life and we're gonna take a look at the positives and we're gonna take a look at the negatives. And I wanna start off with the negatives because I, I wanna end positive. When it comes to Samson, Samson physically was a Rambo. Spiritually though, he was a peewee Herman. You know what I'm talking about? Physically, he had a lot going for him. He had charm, he had beauty, a lot like myself. Well, that's a different point. He had charm, he had beauty, he had strength, he had talents. God blessed his life in all kinds of ways. And early on in his life, everything was going the right way. But one day, he lost it all. He became a broken person. He woke up weak. What happened? Folks, he chose a lifestyle that sapped his spiritual strength. A lifestyle that I want you to avoid in 2016. Let's get practical in these four chapters of Samson's life. The first thing that you see of Samson that really sapped his spiritual strength was this, self-indulgence. It's the first trap that I want you to avoid 
this coming year in 2016. And you see this trap in chapters 14. Samson lived a very undisciplined life. He lived only for his feelings. And one of his, and, and his biggest weakness was women. Uh, for some people, it's wine, women, and song. But for Samson, it was women, 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 women. In fact, in three chapters, he falls for three different women in his life. He is in and out of relationships, in and out of relationships. With Delilah, which was his last one, he sees her and he's thinking, she looks good, she pleases me, I've got to have her. The problem though was this, she wasn't Jewish. She wasn't the right girl chosen by God for him. But he knew of Jim Morris's song that was gonna be coming up through the doors. Come on baby, light my fire. He knew that song, okay? He says, I, I've gotta have her, she lights my fire. Now let's be honest here. Sex is God's idea. And there is nothing wrong with it. But anything good can become harmful if there are not boundaries around it. Food, money, sex, sleeping, you name it. Anything out of control can weaken your spirit. And what we see in Samson is that his spirit was weakened because what he did is he started to make decisions based on pleasure rather than principle. He started to make decisions based on convenience rather than conviction. Samson sees a woman and he doesn't check her out. He doesn't check her out to see if her spirit and his spirit will bond and make them stronger together. He didn't check the women, the women out to see if they'll build him up spiritually or put him down. He just lets his feelings go. In fact, I like the way, way, way I say this. He ignores God's plan and he follows his glands. I gotta have her, okay? Now, let me ask you this. Does that sound vaguely familiar to our culture? I mean, it does, doesn't it? If it feels good, it must be right. I've gotta do it or obey your thirst. Here's one that's subtle and it's this. Well, I owe it to myself. Let me ask you this because this is a big one. What do you know in your life that's wrong but you keep doing it because you say to yourself, I owe it to myself. I owe it to myself, so I'm just gonna indulge this one time. It's okay, it's only once. Folks, if you and I went on a cruise in the Caribbean this winter, and we got out in the middle of the Caribbean and the captain comes over to the PA system, I just wanna let everyone know that there is a small leak in the boat, but you don't have to worry about it. What would you worry about? You'd worry about that leak, wouldn't you? Why? Because a leak is a leak is a leak is a leak. It doesn't matter if it's a small leak or a big leak. Eventually that leak will sink the boat. So too, any area in your life that goes unchecked will catch up with you. 
Will you write this down? To be strong in spirit, I must discipline my desires. And remember, many of the desires that you and I have are God-given. They're good, but they must be disciplined. Take a look at 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. Strengthen yourselves with Christ's way of thinking. Live your lives controlled by God's will, not by human desires. What is he saying here? Just because I want it doesn't mean that I should have it. And this was Samson's second trap. You and I need to avoid self-indulgence. The second one that we see, and this one's in chapter 15, is resentment. Resentment weakens my spirit. You see, Samson lived in a constant state of disappointment, anger, bitterness, resentment. He was a very angry man. He reacted violently to everything. His primary motivation in life was get even. And that was driven from a victim mentality, which he had. Do you have that kind of mentality? The attitude that the the world is against you, that everybody is after you, guess what? It'll weaken your spirit. In fact, in 15, one, one time Samson kills 30 men because he lost a bet and he killed them to get even. And when you read through 15, what you discover is his excuse was simply this. Well, they hurt me first. Let me ask you this. As you start 2016, who has hurt you that you're holding on to it from 2015? You need to let it go. You don't want to bring it into 2016. It will sink your boat. It will sap your strength. It will drain your heart. The reality is every one of us in this room has been hurt by somebody, something that someone said or did or thought about us. You and I cannot live in a broken world without someone hurting us. The challenge, though, is this. It's how you and I respond to it. And Samson chose to react to hurts as opposed to respond to them out of principle and out of conviction. Folks, resentment will always destroy you. It is self-defeating. Take a look at a couple of verses here. Job chapter five and verse two. To worry yourself to death with resentment would be foolish, senseless thing to do. Will you circle the word foolish? The Bible says it's foolish to hold on to resentment, bitterness, anger in your heart. Why is that? Well, take a look at Job chapter five, verse, or Job chapter 18, verse four. You are only hurting yourself with your anger. Will you circle yourself? When you hold on to resentment, when you hold on to anger, when you hold on to negative emotions in you as a result of what someone said, did, or whatever to you, you are hurting yourself. You are building a fire up in your inner being that will char your heart, that it will turn to charcoal, to a hard stone, and eventually it will kill you. Resentment always hurts you and I more than it does someone else. And Samson lost his spiritual strength. He lost his physical strength, not just because of self-indulgence, but because he never managed his anger. He never learned to let it go. He never learned to forgive. Will you write this down? 
to be strong in spirit, I must control my reactions. Not only do I need to discipline my desires, but I need to control my reactions. And if you learn to control your reactions, the Bible clearly states this, that you will be stronger than a walled city. But if you don't, you will have a life that is unprotected. Take a look at uh, Proverbs 29, 11. A fool gives full vent to his anger, but a wise man keeps himself under control. This was Samson's second mistake, but he made a third one. And that was this, carelessness. First one was self-indulgence. The second one was resentment. The third one was carelessness. Carelessness will weaken my spirit. And this one is a huge one because this is the one that catches us off guard. Carelessness catches us off guard. And it will sap your strength. It will shrivel your heart. It will weaken your spirit. This is what we see in Judges chapter 16. And anytime you and I are careless with our time, our talents, our treasures, our health, our relationships, our commitments, you're heading down the wrong road. When you make a commitment to something, and you choose not to follow through with it, I want you to know something. You are weakening your spirit. Samson had some amazing gifts which God had given to him. And God gave them to him as a result of a commitment that he made. You see, Samson was a Nazarene. He made a Nazarite vow, which was in essence to live a, a holy life before the Lord. And that was symbolized in a number of different things that he had to do and things that he didn't do. One of those things that he didn't do that he wasn't to do was to drink alcohol. Another one was he was supposed to eat certain types of food and abstain from other types. And then the third, third one, and there are others, but this is the big one, is that he wasn't to cut his hair. These were symbols of his 100% commitment to God. Now, why in the world would someone do something like that? Why in the world would someone make a commitment and seek to live that out symbolically to the Lord? Well, back then they did it as a simple way of saying that God's servants needed to live differently. That God's servants needed to live different from the culture that they were living in. However, Samson was careless. He made vows to God and he didn't follow through with them. He didn't keep them. He was continually compromising his commitment out of convenience. He toyed with temptation. His attitude was, I wonder how close I can get to it, as opposed to how far I can get away from it. There are a lot of people who live with that kind of philosophy. Folks, I know Christians who would say, I know that I'm a Christian and I know that this is wrong, but I wonder how close I can get to it before I fall off. Wow. You see, in chapter 16, Delilah enters the story. Don't you like that radio station? Delilah. 
I've got a picture in my mind of what she must have looked like in Judges 16, you know. Delilah is his enemy because he represents God's strength. In this story of Samson, he knows exactly what is going on. He is aware of the game. He knows that she is he knows that she is trying to find out his secret and guess what? He's playing along. He allows it. He even teases her with it. When Delilah first enters this story, she poses the question, hey, Samson, what's the secret of your strength? And he says to her, well, if you just tie me up with seven bowstrings, I won't be able to break them. And then he jumps in bed with her and he rumbles and tumbles. He's so exhausted after their sexual interchange that he falls asleep. She ties him up with seven bowstrings. When he wakes up, he breaks them and he kills the men that were waiting to apprehend him. The next night, she goes, she does it again. And Delilah says, oh, Delilah, oh, Samson. Honey, please tell me the secret of your strength. And Samson says, okay, tie me up with seven new ropes and I won't be able to break them. And he jumps in bed with her again and he rumbles and tumbles and he's so exhausted from the interchange that he falls asleep and she ties him up with seven new ropes and he wakes up later and he breaks off them and he kills the men who are waiting to apprehend him. What in the world is this guy doing? He is flirting with sin. He is toying with temptation. She does it again. Delilah, honey, that was so embarrassing. Please tell me your secret. And Samson says, well, this time if you just braid my hair I won't be able, or I'll lose my strength. Notice how it's progressing. Now it's getting closer to the real thing. It's getting closer to the real secret. And by the way, the real secret was not Samson's hair. Sorry for all you hairstylists out there, okay? No, the secret was his commitment to God that was symbolized by his hair. And he goes down this road because he's thinking, you know what? I'm different. I can handle it. I'm strong. I am the strongest man that is living right now. Let me stop here and ask you this question. What are you flirting with as you come into 2016? You flirting with cheating on your taxes? Cheating with a person that isn't your spouse? Cheating with time with your marriage and your family. And you're thinking, I can handle this. It's no big deal. I'm different. Folks, you're being set up for the fall. Satan is seducing you with that little lie. I can handle it. Now, it's interesting as you read this story. Every morning, there are guys in Samson's bedroom waiting for him. Duh. Folks, he knows what's going on. 
He knows exactly what she's trying to do. And in Judges 16, verses 15 and 16, he's careless one too many times, and he tells her, cut my hair, and I will lose my strength. And he finally gives in. Why? Because of his lifestyle. A little compromise here, a little compromise there, a little compromise here. You put all the compromise together, and it's a big compromise. Compromise after compromise after compromise. And he's saying to himself this whole time, I'm different. I'm stronger. I can handle this. Folks, when you and I hear those words in our minds, you're being set up for a fall. Now let me say this as we begin 2016. Nobody ever starts off a new year planning to fail. Any of us do that right here? No, we look forward to new things, don't we? We like new starts. We like fresh beginnings. None of us ever start off planning to fail spiritually. None of us ever start off planning to fail relationally or vocationally or financially or health-wise. No one plans that. No one falls off of a mountain overnight. No, it happens with little slippages here and there. And some more over here. And before long, you wake up and you think, what in the world has happened? And all of a sudden, you've lost your credibility, your reputation, your ministry, your finances, your health, your family, your friends. You see, the fact is this. You and I are as strong as the weakest link. What's the weak link in your life spiritually? Well, I don't know, Pastor George. Well, guess what? You better find out. Because if you don't find out, you can end up in the trash can along with a whole lot of other people who have fallen away from God. You and I are as only, you and I are only as strong as our weakest link. And we're only as strong as the commitments that we make and that we choose to follow through with them. If we begin cheating commitments, we will become weaker and weaker and weaker. And so I ask you again, what's the weak link in your life? Is it self-indulgence in some area? Is it resentment? over something that someone said, did, or thought about you in 2015 that you're bringing into this year? Is it carelessness in some area? You see, when are you going to do something about it? 2015 is done. What are you gonna do new in 2016? Let me tell you something that you can do. Will you write this down? To be strong spiritually, I must develop good habits. And will you write this down? You are, as, you are the sum total of your habits. Your character is your habits. Whatever you habitually do, you are. If you habitually are friendly and gracious and thoughtful and kind and generous, that's who you are. If you aren't, habitually kind and generous and thoughtful and understanding than you aren't. And so in the remainder of our time, I wanna close very quickly 
by taking a look at three positive habits that will change your life. If you develop these three things, you will grow spiritually. Next week, we're going to take a look at the physical health. And I'm bringing in a doctor, and we're going to talk with this doctor. And we're going to get into God's word on some of these things. Some are going to be old. Some are going to be new. Then we're going to take a look at finances. And some of the things that we're going to talk about, I'm sure you've heard of, but there's going to be some new things that I'm going to challenge you with. And then we're going to end this series relationally. And that is to be a springboard because in February, Doug and I are going to do a series called Love Is. And we are going to build the foundation in this series theologically. And then we are going to attack it practically. And that's going to take us all the way up to Easter. And so if you know of anyone who's struggling physically, uh, spiritually, uh, financially, relationally, bring them to church. Now, regardless of the area, all of those things that I've mentioned, start with a strong spirit. Take a look at Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10. Build up your strength in union with the Lord and by means of his mighty power. Notice that Paul here is talking about a partnership. He's saying you've got a part and God has a part. He's saying through this that God, God wants you to build up your union with Christ. He wants you to do different things. He wants you to build some habits in your life. And he says, if you will do that, God says, I will give you power. So how does that happen? Three ways, very quickly. One, get time with God every day. If you're not doing that, you're not going to grow spiritually. And in honesty, you are getting weaker and weaker in your spirit. I call this habit a quiet time. It is where you read and you pray and you just quiet yourself and listen. I want to talk with you briefly. What's the reason and the re routine and the result? The reason is this, Psalms 25. Show me the path where I should go, O Lord. Point out the right road for me to walk. Will you write the word by that, or write this word by that verse, guidance. How many of us think we know everything about life? Do you think God may know a little bit more than you do? My guess is he does. He would love to guide you. He does that through a quiet time. What's the routine? It's getting alone by yourself. Jesus did this, Luke 5, 16. Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Will you circle the word often? It was a habit. You gotta get alone habitually in a place where you can read your Bible, pray, and just quiet yourself. What's the result? Look at John 15, verse seven. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, then you may ask for anything you wish and you shall have it. Will you write by that verse, answered prayer. One of the results of just spending regular time, everyday time, quiet time with God is that God will begin to answer your questions. How many of us would like to have more answered prayer for ourselves, for our marriages, for our kids? The second habit is this. Get together with, uh, with believers every week. Now what I'm sharing with you folks is, is, is not rocket science. The problem is this. We just don't do them. Uh, my, my theology comes from Vince Lombardi, okay? We're in the playoffs right now. I love Vince Lombardi. He won the first Super Bowl, okay? And I'll never forget reading stories about him where he, when they weren't doing well, the Packers weren't doing well, he picked up a football. He says, we're going back to the basics, guys. 
He says, this is a football. Football is about tackling and, and passing and punting and those kinds of things. The Christian life is not a hard life. And you can grow spiritually by doing the basics. And one of those is being with believers every week. I call this large group celebration and small group fellowship. Now, what's the reason? Hebrews 10, 25, let us not give up the habit, will you circle that word, of meeting together. Instead, let us encourage, will you circle that word, each other. You see, life is hard, isn't it? You and I could describe ourselves as a hot coal. When we are with other hot coals in the, in the charcoal bed, we remain hot. But soon as that charcoal is set outside from the, the others, maybe put on the ground or whatever, it gets cold, doesn't it? But if you pick it back up and put it back in the hot coals, it gets fired up again. You and I need to get fired up every week. What's the routine? Look at Acts 5, 42. They met day after day in the temple courts and from house to house. Will you circle temple courts and house to house? Temple courts was large group celebration and house to house was small group fellowship. You and I need both. We need large group celebration where you come in here and you out sing me because I'm not good. And then you need small group fellowship where you can really build community. What's the result? Look at this. Two are better off than one because together they are more effective. If one falls down, the other can help him up. There are gonna be times in your life when you're gonna need other people around you. Folks, I just did three funerals in the last four weeks and they weren't fun. But these people were in community. Do you have a safety net of people that are a similar spirit that you can talk about things of the Lord that will be there to support you. Better yet, do you, would you be that person for someone else? You and I need a daily time with God. We need a weekly team with God. And then the third habit, and this is one that hits the most sensitive nerve in our, bo our bodies, and that is the nerve that goes from our wallet to our heart, okay? And it's this, give a tithe to God every weekend. Tithing is a habit of returning to God 10% of your income to him. What's the reason? Matthew 6, 21. Whatever your wherever your treasure is, your heart will be there. In other words, it is an outward demonstration of a heartfelt commitment. What is the commitment when you give? Take a look at Deuteronomy 14, 23. The purpose of tithing is to teach you always to put God first in your life. It's just an outward demonstration of saying, hey, you're God first. And so how do you know if God's first in your life? God would say this, at least take a look at your budget. What's the routine? How do you do this? Take a look at 1 Corinthians 16. On the first day of every week, set aside some of what you have earned and give it as an offering. The amount depends on how much the Lord has helped you earn. What is he talking about here? He's talking about proportional giving. If you make a lot, you give a lot. If you make a little, you give a little. If you don't make anything, you don't give anything. What's the result or the promise? Malachi 3. Bring your whole tithe into my storehouse. Test me in this, 
right beside this verse, the Pepsi challenge. This is a great Pepsi challenge. Test me in this, says the Lord, and see if I won't throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you won't have enough room for it. Now, these are the three positive habits. Here's my question. Which of the three weaknesses are you more likely to fall in? Which are the three traps that you are most likely to fall in? Self-indulgence? Are you being tempted in self-indulgence in some area of your life? Resentment? Are you holding on to a hurt from 2015 and you're bringing it into 2016? Carelessness? Is there some area that you're being careless in? Which of the three habits do you need to start in 2016? Time with God? Community? Living in community? Or tithing? God wants 2016 to be a different year than 2015. You and I can grow stronger spiritually. And so in a minute... I'm going to pray. We're going to take the offering. And I want you to go out and see, so to speak, the goods, the wares. And what is so exciting about this is that we've put them up. And you can notice how much time it's going to take. Because time is a precious commodity. And with that, George, be quiet, pray, and get on. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you. I thank you for new beginnings. I thank you for fresh starts. I thank you, God, that we can bring our humanity to you. And we can say, God, here I am. Take me as I am. Work in me, God, and change me. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that gives me the power, that gives me the desire, that opens my eyes to the pain, to the hurt, to, to, to the things and the ways that you want me to walk in them. And I thank you, God, that through your spirit, I can walk with you and be a different person moment by moment, day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year. And as I look back, God, I can see things differently. And I can become the person that you want to be spiritually, physically, financially, relationally, vocationally across the board. And so God, I just want to give you this. As we start this year, God, strengthen the spirit, your whole, strengthen the spirit that resides within this church family. Help us, God. In your son's holy name we pray.